0: out riding my bike. She was out on the, you know, the corner at the T in the road and she was waiting for the ice cream truck. And I got cold, went inside, turned around and walked back out and walked to the end of the driveway. And by that point, she was already gone. That's what's one of the hardest things about this case. There's nothing to go on.
1: 90 seconds. In terms of significance, that accounts for 0.001% of an entire day. And yet, that was enough time to kick off a 22-year mystery, where an 11-year-old child named Mikkel Biggs vanished without a trace less than 200 feet from her Mesa, Arizona home. In the years since she vanished, very few leads have brought law enforcement any closer to solving her case. And the circumstances and clues that have emerged continue to baffle all those involved in trying to bring Mikkel Biggs home. Does a cryptic message found scribbled across a $1 bill provide a much-needed lead? Or can the answers to Mikkel's disappearance be found with a former neighbor currently sitting in an Arizona prison? This is Episode 9 of Season 2 of They Disappeared, The Vanishing, The Disappearance of Mikkel Biggs. Saturday, January 2nd, 1999 was a cooler than usual afternoon in Mesa, Arizona. Despite the lower temperatures, 11-year-old McKell Biggs and her 9-year-old sister Kimber were outside riding bikes in the street near their home. As they played, McKell told Kimber she could hear the music of the ice cream truck making the rounds on the other side of their neighborhood. Not one to miss an opportunity to buy a treat from the truck when it came, McKell rode home and got money, 50 cents to be exact and returned to the street, riding her bike to wait. As they waited, Kimber told Mikkel she was getting cold, and was going back to their house to get a jacket. When Kimber was inside their house, their mom told her to have Mikkel come back home, because it was getting late, and she was about to make dinner. No more than ninety seconds had passed. From the time Kimber left Mikkel alone, riding her bike in the street, to the time she walked out to the edge of their driveway to tell her sister to come home. But Mikkel was gone. After knocking on several neighbors' doors and checking the homes of nearby friends, Mikkel's bike was found in the street, laying on its side with its rear wheel still spinning. It was then that her mom Tracy called the police to report her missing. Within 30 minutes a police helicopter had been deployed to the Biggs' neighborhood, hovering over the area using a loudspeaker to call out for Mikkel. A large group of neighbors and friends had already volunteered to assist in locating her. It was in that initial sweep of the area, near where Mikkel's bike was found, that searchers found the two quarters she had in her hand. To buy something off the ice cream truck, but nothing else was found. Over the following days, weeks, and months, investigators went from home to home and into the vast desert looking for any clues leading to Mikkel's whereabouts, but nothing was found. Despite that small window of opportunity, Just 90 seconds was all it took for Mikkel Biggs to vanish without a trace. Based on the crime scene evidence, investigators believed Mikkel had been abducted, and since it had occurred in such a small window of time, it had to have been by someone watching nearby. It was theorized Mikkel had jumped off her bike to run away from whoever it was who had taken her and that she had been yanked off her feet as she fled, dropping her change on the sidewalk. Based off the small window of opportunity, in the proximity to their home, investigators took a closer look at the Biggs family. In his first statement to police, Mikkel's father, Darian, indicated he was at work when he got the call informing him Mikkel was missing. But after failing a lie detector test, it was later learned Darian had lied about his whereabouts. He had done this to hide an extramarital affair he was having at the time, which he would later confess to. Despite his confession, police put Darian under surveillance for an entire year before they would exclude him. Nearly two years had passed when a new suspect was identified, a man with a disturbing past who lived in the same neighborhood as the Biggs family, a man whose recent actions made him the new focus of their investigation. On December 11th of 2000, a registered sex offender named Dee Blaylock was arrested for the rape and attempted murder of his neighbor, Suzanne Quinette. According to Quinnette, she discovered Blaylock hiding in her kitchen when he violently attacked her, intentionally breaking her neck during the assault. Dee Blaylock lived in the same neighborhood as the Biggs family. Across the street from where McKell took piano lessons, on the day McKell disappeared, D. Blaylock told police he was in his garage watching football, which his wife corroborated. However, after his arrest, his wife changed her story, saying in part that she could not account for where he was for an hour around the same time McKell vanished. After the assault on Suzanne Quinet, she was so certain that D. Blaylock was involved in McKell's disappearance that she offered to drop the charges against him if he confessed to his involvement and would lead detectives to McKell's remains. Blaylock rejected the offer, and was sentenced to 187 years in prison. A sentence he is currently serving at Arizona's maximum-security prison in Florence. In 2009, Darian and Tracy Biggs sent a letter to Dee Blaylock in prison to ask him directly if he was involved in their daughter's disappearance. The letter read, in part, If we are wrong about you, we want to apologize, because this is a terrible thing to be accused of. Surprisingly, Blaylock responded, agreeing to meet with them and saying, I need to make things right with you and your family. Darian and Tracy met with Dee Blaylock and spoke to him for an hour and a half. According to Darian, Blaylock denied any involvement in Mikkel's disappearance. Darian described him as jittery and not able to look either of them in the eye. To this day, D. Blaylock has continued to deny any involvement in Mikkel's disappearance. In March of 2018, a dollar bill that was used to buy Girl Scout cookies in Nina, Wisconsin, was turned over to police after a connection to Mikkel's case was discovered on it. In the margins of the bill, someone had written... My name is Mikel Biggs, kidnapped from Mesa, Arizona. I am alive. After examination, its authenticity was questioned. Due to Mikkel's name being misspelled and the age of the bill which had entered circulation in 2009, ten years after Mikkel vanished, the author of the note and its origins remain unknown. Mikkel's family does not believe that the note was written by her, doubting that Mikkel would ever misspell her own name. Authorities now believe the note to have been a hoax or just a petty prank. In the 22-year aftermath of Mikkel's disappearance, Darian and Tracy left Arizona and eventually divorced but they have not given up trying to find Mikkel. Kimber Biggs still lives in Mesa and is now a mother herself. She created the Justice for Mikkel Biggs Facebook page, where she posts the family's feelings and outlook on the case. The Biggs family's hope is for someone to come forward with information that will finally bring closure to Mikkel's case. They know that this likely means locating Mikkel's remains. Kimber was quoted recently as saying that nothing stays hidden forever. Nothing stays a secret. Somebody knows something. Kimber was the last person to see her sister alive. And she promises to be the last person to give up searching for her. It only took 90 seconds to change the lives of the Biggs family forever. A fraction of time that seems insignificant until a memorable event occurs within it. It's a painful reminder, like many of the cases we have covered here, of children vanishing without a trace. We have learned that taking your eyes off of a child even for a second can create a window of opportunity for tragedy to occur. And for the Biggs family, 90 seconds took them from having a happy little girl excitedly waiting for ice cream to her vanishing without a trace for the last 22 years. Thank you for listening to this episode of They Disappeared.
0: I don't remember the whole day we went outside to you know, ride bikes and I was walking the dog. And that's when she you know, heard the ice cream truck and wanted to wait outside. I remember turning on walking back. I walked in through the garage and I opened the garage door and told my mom that I was cold and I wanted to come in she said that I needed to let Mikel know that it was time to come in as well. And I was like, you know, yelling that it was time to come in. I looked down the road and I saw my bike in the road. I instantly, of course, got mad because she left my brand new bike in the middle of the road. It was almost like the twilight zone. It was like very eerie. And um, I remember walking towards my bike and almost going numb. I didn't know why. And I told my mom, you know. Kell left my bike in the road and she was like where is she and I said I don't know